I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. Happy New Year, Alex Spears. Uh, Post-holiday <laughs> depression, Andrew. It's January. Holidays were a lot of fun. Have you reached the doldrums? Yeah, I'm already in the doldrums. January 2nd, they're here. <laughs> what are the doldrums? I don't know, but I'm experiencing them. <laughs> oh, man. The Thunder, they they went one-on-one one against the Mavs. They kind of did what I thought they would do is they lose in Dallas. I didn't think they'd lose in such dramatic fashion. Uh, but then they just absolutely stomped the Mavs here in Oklahoma City on New Year's Eve. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, it was. And uh, I saw the stat that they are 9-2 and two on New Year's Eve in their history. Man. So we got to keep scheduling those. I remember when I was doing the the trivia show, I was trying to come up with trivia questions. And do you know the team they've played the most on New Year's Eve? Phoenix? That is correct. That was from the cutting room floor of the trivia show. They, wow. they played them three times, which isn't a ton, but I just remember they're, they're always playing Phoenix around this time of the year, mm-hmm. yeah. which they did again this year. Yeah, they did. For the last uh, time, hopefully, unless they change the schedule on us. <laughs> yeah, there there are a lot of good things in this game. Obviously, the the biggest one is that Russ rebounded significantly from the previous night, uh, which was one of the more frustrating Russ games I've watched in a long time. What do we think about him being better from one night to another, and him just saying, "You know what? I'm just going to be better." Like what? Like how do we? I don't know how to even handle that. Like how do you even analyze that? Because I don't if, know. If, because if it takes, if all it takes is him to just say, "I'm going to go kill these guys," right, what? So what happened last night? Like what was the? What, I just I'm. I don't know if it's a psychological thing. I don't know if it's a I'm not engaged thing. Because I mean, I've heard some people describe the way the Thunder played. The, the Daily Ding podcast described the Thunder playing as like sleepwalking through it. And so I don't know if that was it. I I didn't necessarily think that. I just thought they played poorly. But maybe maybe it was. Maybe Russell wasn't locked in. And he was engaged on both ends uh, tremendously at home against the Mavs. Yeah, he was. And, and a lot of their bench guys helped out too. I mean, Nader's kind of come out of nowhere, yeah, and is apparently a guy now. And then Nerland's had a great game. Um, it just, it's, I just, I, I can't stand how wild the swing was <laughs> from one game to the other because I can't explain it, and I'll forget about it in two months. Who cares, right? But in the moment, like I don't know if OKC absolutely needed that game, but I know that I needed that game <laughs> after the game in Dallas. 
And yeah. it's largely because of Russ. Like he he has really been a roller coaster this season. Mm-hmm. And especially in these last couple games, it feels like every other important thing is clicking with this team right now. Like you have Paul George playing at MVP level. Adams is at an all-star level. Schroeder's been a huge addition. Jeremy Grant's taken a leap. Ferguson's been a consistently good defender. Noel's a perfect backup. Like that's almost all the important pieces on this team. Yeah. And they are all either meeting or exceeding expectations. And it feels like if we just get a consistently average Russ, it just has to be average. This team is solid. And if we get anything more than average Russ, we're looking at like the potential for a deep playoff run. Oh, but it's been, yeah. but it's been so bumpy. <laughs> it's been bumpy. But if he, if he can play like that, I mean, he didn't have to score 30, but if the dude can just shoot the ball at an average level, like you said, this team, I, I don't, I don't think I could pick anybody else for the Western Conference Finals. But if Russell plays like he did against the Mavs in Dallas, then like second round and out, maybe depending on what the matchup is, they could lose in the first round again. I mean, it's it it is that wild of a swing, and it really a lot of it does depend on Russell because I think you're right. You know what you're going to get from a lot of these guys, and you know what you're going to get from the Thunder defense night in night out, right? Uh, which is super nice to know. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a great game to watch. So the Mavs turned it over twenty seven times. Actually, I have a, a screenshot of this. The Thunder broadcast had them with twenty nine turnovers. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, yeah, because I, actually, I'd read that on NBA dot com that they set the record for most turnovers by a Thunder opponent. Yeah, but it said twenty nine. Yeah. So 27 is what the ESPN box score had. And I remember that night I did Thunder After Dark. They had 26 turnovers on ESPN.com. So I don't know like how they settled on 27. I don't, I don't get it. Cause I, that's the side I usually look at because it has like the neatest looking box score. Right. Um, where you don't have to scroll through a lot of stuff. But uh, anyways, I think they turned it over 29 times, which is just outrageous compared to the Thunder's 10. And that to me, that's the game. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, the, yeah, it was one of those games where the defense is just absolutely completely clicking and you wonder how anyone's going to score on this team. But of course, we saw them <laughs> like 24 hours earlier yeah. look completely different. Yeah, and that's the Mavs. I think they've won two games on the road all season. Yeah. They're 2-16 and 16 on the road. And they're only two games below 500. And yet they're so terrifying at home. They're so good at home. They were really, they were awesome. Luca was a different guy in Dallas. He uh, was, but and so was DeAndre Jordan, who looked awful in OKC. He was just so terrible. Uh, the Thunder play the Lakers tonight in LA. Uh, from what I know, LeBron is not playing. Have we heard any different? No. Uh, the only thing i saw about la was that tlc was hanging out with mb last night <laughs> really yeah well did you see the the rebound fight between mb and simmons i did not so mb had like a wide open it was kind of like a classic russ and steve rebound from a couple of years ago yeah like it came off and mb was right there and ben simmons like aggressively went for it elbowed mb in the face <gasps> Embiid got the rebound, but then passed it right back and fell to the ground and was just cursing. Like they were bleeping out every other word. And then apparently in the post game, like Simmons 
left with his like Kardashian crew and then Embiid left with TLC. <laughs> <laughs> so we know TLC is probably not going to be playing tonight because he'll be, uh, he, he partied last night. We should give TLC back to the Sixers just as a gift. We should, especially if they're still that good of friends. We don't For need real. them. Yeah. No, we do not need him. Uh, so yeah, the Thunder play in LA tonight. The Lakers are coming off a win against the Sacramento Kings at home. Uh, it should be interesting. This team is still they're they're still a dangerous team. The Lakers are even without LeBron. So I hope the Thunder don't walk in thinking that they can just beat them. Uh, the, the here's the preview for this Thunder Lakers game on ESPN.com. Paul George has said he'd be playing for the Los Angeles Lakers had the Oklahoma City Thunder not acquired him in trade during the summer of 2017. Is this his first game back? Or first game, mm-hmm. not back, but yeah. <laughs> fake back? It's oh. his first game since he signed with the Thunder, yeah. Oh, well, that's that's exciting. I bet he blows up tonight. Yeah, that's the, and pre- they- that's the preview for the game, what I just said <laughs> to you, if you, were, if you were a little confused. Well, they need this game because uh, Friday they play in Portland, which is a guaranteed loss. That's a loss. Just it'll be loss. really close. It'll be excruciating. <laughs> it'll be terrible. They're, they're basically Dallas West for OKC. They are that. I don't know what it is, but they just, and I, I need to look this up because I, we talk about it a lot, but I think it's been since like 2014 or 2015 since they've won. In really? Portland. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Which is just so bad. Super crazy. Hey, I have some stats about Russ. Can I read them? Yes, please give me some stats about Russ. So the first night of the back-to-back, the the game in Dallas, it was was so bad. It made me step back and try to look at his season as a whole to try to put it into context. Yeah. Both both in like how bad that game was and then how uncharacteristic this season has been. So I went to basketball reference and I looked at game logs sorted by game score. I know we've talked about game score before Mm -hmm. this is a stat that john hollinger created and it's kind of a rough estimate of how good a player was in an individual game score of 10 is considered an average game a score of 40 is considered an outstanding game it's not an end-all be-all stat it doesn't take defense into account really in any meaningful way but it's kind of fun because you look over like the top 50 games and game score and there's pretty much no one that seems out of place it's like all the greatest players of all time. Okay. Um, so first I wanted to see how many truly awful games Westbrook has had in his career and how common they were. So I looked at every game where he's had a game score of below or equal to five, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. We, we said that 10 was average. So below five is really bad and where he played at least 25 minutes. So since entering the league, Westbrook has had 37 of those types of games 25 of those occurred in his first two seasons which makes sense yeah because you know that that was that was honestly where like the idea of bad russ started yeah because he he had way more of those games when he was really young so this year he has already tallied three of those games (laughs) which which is significant because going back through the years these games are extremely rare outside of those first two seasons so for example in his MVP year, he had zero of these games. Wow. Last last year, he had two, 15 and 16, 14 and 15. He had one each season. 
So we talk about bad Russ a lot, but that was largely based on a bunch of games in his first two seasons. But since then, it's really only been like once or twice a season at most until this year. <laughs> so he's already at three. Can you name the other two games off the top of your head? So there's the at Dallas game. The Mavs game. Uh, let's see. I can't name it. Not off the top of my head. I can't. So there was the Boston game. I think that, w- that was either his first game back or his second game back. This is his first game back. That was the fourth game of the season. And then uh, at Utah. Um, oh, and they which won was, that game. And that, was, and that was a win. So perhaps only interesting to me, OKC's record in these games is only 16 and 21, which seems oh. a lot better than it should be. So we're talking about the absolute worst rest games ever, and they're still playing <laughs> at a 35-win pace, <laughs> which can probably get you into the playoffs in the East. Yeah. Now, just for the fun... I did the flip side. I looked at the opposite, Andrew. What about the best Russ games? So for this, I searched for games where we had a game score of at least 30 Mm -hmm. and then minutes played of at least 25. So he's had 65 of those games over his career. Wow. Not surprisingly, Russ didn't have any of these type of games during his first two seasons. Um, but they started to become more common starting in 2014-15 season. So his, we talked about this before. His greatest game of all time by game score was the game at Denver during his MVP season, mm-hmm. which is actually, you know, if you look at all the games in NBA history, that ranks as the 73rd greatest game of all time wow. by this by this random metric. This year, Andrew, he hasn't logged one of those games yet. No. Interestingly, however, two of his best three games this season – where the game against Dallas on New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. which is tied for his best game of the season, and the game against the Suns a few days earlier. So maybe there's some hope that he's getting into a groove with some very large potholes mixed in. (laughs) Now, that's a good stat. I think that it does illustrate what, what he's been this season. It's been very confusing to watch. And then did you see his tweet? He tweeted something like, my chaos is calculated. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what is that? What are you, Russell? What are you doing? It's, it's so rare for him to do social media stuff like that. It's very LeBron. Yeah. Of him to tweet something like that after like he plays so poorly. One of, and by that metric, one of the worst games of his career. Right. And then bounce back and have 31, 11, 11. And you just destroy the Mavs when you don't have a huge night from Paul George or really from anybody else. I don't think anybody else had just a massive night. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's just crazy. It's really the Thunder defense had a massive night. Right. Now, hey, before we move on, I mentioned that Westbrook has had 65 of these good rust games. So he's in his 11th season. How many of those 65 games do you think occurred during his MVP year? 30 it was 23 wow how many of those of these games do you think james harden had during that same season 22 exactly (laughs) (laughs) i just knew it had to be one up russell knew it (laughs) i've got i should have checked it was probably like the last game of the year that he got another one yeah oh that is really funny that's great that's just another another way to tell people they're wrong about. I, I hate that people still like to go back and say, you know, Russell really didn't deserve that MVP. I hate that they do that. It's so especially because they don't acknowledge that a significant group of people, including Zach Lowe, who everyone worships, yeah. picked Kawhi Leonard. Right. 
Like if James Harden had such amazing season that is going to look so great in history, why did Zach Lowe, the guru, the Oracle, why did he pick Kawhi Leonard? Uh, speaking of Zach Lowe, have you listened to the Pascal pod? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. Have you? Yeah, I did. I don't like player pods. Player pods are some of the worst. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. He does call him a borderline all-star to his face. Really? Yeah. Which, are, is that a thing? Like, is he really a borderline all-star? I guess. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 uh, like Sabonis gets to be one. Yeah. Cause he, he deserves it too. But it's one of those things where if they, those guys were in the West, I don't think they would be borderline at all. No, we wouldn't even be talking about their candidacy. No, I feel like Jeremy Grant making like having a shot at making the all-star team. Right. Like there's just no way. There's just no way. Uh, the Thunder sit at third in net rating. The, the two teams above them, is, it still just kind of blows my mind, uh, are the Indiana Pacers at a 6.4, the Thunder at 6.3, and the Milwaukee Bucks at a 9.0, which is just kind of crazy. The Thunder are number one in defense at a 101.7. They keep flip-flopping with the Pacers. And then offensive rating, I still think it's 20. Yeah, 20 at a 108. So... They're a really good team. I think they need, obviously, they need to get it together on the offensive end, but uh, it's just going to depend on if their shooting will ever get there. And I don't know if it will with this current roster. Yeah, something that scared me last night, I was just looking at some random stats. So I, I was looking at uh, strength of schedule um, on ESPN, which is based on the average winning percentage of the teams that have already played. Yeah. And so OKC is currently 30th meaning that they have had the easiest schedule in the league. Mm -hmm. But what was more interesting to me was that the next closest Western Conference team, so the team with the second easiest schedule so far in the Western Conference was Dallas, who are tied for 15th overall in the league. So because of some ties, the easiest 13 schedules so far in the league are 12 Eastern Conference teams and OKC, (laughs) which is kind of terrifying. That is terrifying. They need to play better against better teams. And, you know, I mean, they they should have the confidence at this point with the record that they have and the way that they've defended. And they should be able to... And they've been in it, I mean, every single game but, like, two this season. So, I mean, against good teams. I think the only teams that have blown them out is really... I think you look at the first four games that were just miserable. Not all of them were just considered blowouts, but those are miserable. And then the Mavs on the road. And then every other game has been within like four or five points. So yeah, well, I remember we had talked about um, their clutch stats, mm-hmm. and they were something like at that time they were six and eleven. Like at this point, they're probably six and twelve because of that Mavs game. But that means that twelve of their thirteen losses went to clutch time, which means it was within five points in the last five minutes. Yeah. So that alone is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. They they need to increase their focus in during clutch time crunch time yes is it the clutch are we in the crunch or in it's the clutch? both it, it's both okay i always get confused and i don't know which one to say but i think i can say both you're allowed okay uh you know what else i can say um is it something you eat yeah is it cold uh no no. Okay. Uh, you can go there with a the family. Yeah. Um, but it's not next to a ramen place. It is. 
It is. The mule. The mule. You can be in the crunch at the mule and eat a really delicious grilled cheese sandwich. You can get the macaroni pony that has jalapeno cornbread, chipotle barbecue pulled pork, three cheese mac and cheese, and a pickle. And it's super good. I would get it with the french fries. Others might get it with the onion rings. But it's a delicious sandwich. You can get uh, several gourmet delicious sandwiches. They are so creative. Everything is super fresh. You can get their seasonal side. I'm not even sure what it is right now, but I'm telling you, ask for it, and it'll be delicious. Uh, They have a great bar. They have TVs there, so if you're looking for a place to watch the game tonight, if you have a buddy and you're just like, hey, let's go watch the game on a random Wednesday night here in OKC, I'll bet you get a space at the bar at the Mule, get some good food, watch the game, get a drink. Uh, It's a super cool place. So it's down at 15th and Blackwelder, 16th and Blackwelder in the Plaza District. Uh, you should follow them on social media. If you're not familiar with them, follow them at the Mule OKC on any social media platform. And they usually send out a picture a day on Instagram. Uh, it's a great follow, and you can kind of see what they're all about and see some specials that they have. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and go eat at the Mule. Okay, Alex, do you want to explain our next segment? Maybe. Alex? Sorry. Sorry. Were you muted? Were you sneezing? <laughs> yeah, I was sneezing. Okay. <laughs> I have a bad ragweed allergy. Oh, no. So I had to mute myself. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in. Uh, do, okay. Do you want to explain our next segment? <laughs> yes. So we talked about last week uh, doing this, and then we, we put it off. We're going to look back at the year that was in Thunder history, uh, because the past year, going back to last January has been uh, kind of franchise-defining in a lot of ways. A ton of things have happened, especially when you think about even a little bit further back, that MVP year, this weird collection of guys that didn't totally fit around Westbrook. And I remember that year thinking, this is a lot of fun, but I don't know what the point of this is (laughs) long-term. Like, we really need to... Like, if we're going to maximize Westbrook, it has to be something different than this as he goes into his 30s. And so that has slowly happened over the course of those last two years. And specifically looking at last January, just a ton of stuff happened in the last 12 months. So we're going to rank the top 10 most important Thunder moments from the past year. Yeah, we figured we'd start with one because if we don't have the same one, I think that we might have a, a little bit of a problem. Uh, <laughs> kick me off uh, you'll you'll be done if you don't have this that's number I'll one permanently mute myself <laughs> uh it's re-signing paul george i mean that, that was correct that's, that's it i mean if you and it's funny you look back at that season he really gave zero indication at all that he was unhappy in fact correct. he gave the opposite to everybody that he loved Russell. He even said on national TV that Russell Westbrook was making his decision a lot easier. And you know what? We didn't believe him. Not for one minute. I don't think anybody sat there and just was like, hey, you know, Russell or uh, Paul George, he's he's just going to resign. Look at all the things he said. I think everybody was just like, yeah, I don't believe him. Even people from Indiana were like, yeah, he's going to lie to you guys. And so right. no, nobody yeah. believed him. Yeah, and I, you know, I give credit to you, and I feel like John Hamm and and Royce, you guys all were still leaning that way the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's true. He was giving these signals because I heard just the other day somebody talking about how Corey Brewer, who didn't show up till the end of the year. Yeah. Like he, he told someone like right before the playoffs, like, oh, yeah, Paul's staying. Yeah. <laughs> so he like figured it out within a very short period of time. So it must have been very obvious. Yeah. I mean, he he really did love it here. And it wasn't just Russell. It was the entire organization. It was how everybody handled themselves. It was how they treated the players and their families and uh you know, I think they they did a good job. I think they kind of learned from Kevin Durant that, you know, you have to pay a little bit more attention. And not necessarily that the Thunder didn't pay attention to Kevin, which I just don't think is true. Um, but I do think that they were more detailed when it came to Paul George's recruitment. And they had one year, and that year went terribly on the court uh, with the roster that they had. You know, losing in round one was embarrassing. And really, when they lost in round one, a lot of people were just like, yep, that's the last time we'll see Paul George in a Thunder uniform. And everybody right. thought that he'd go to L.A. He does an ESPN doc- mini documentary. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean? And you have people like Ben Golliver was like, Paul George is leaving. There's no, there's no reason for him to do this documentary and stay in Oklahoma City. There's just absolutely no, there's no reason for it. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, is that true? Like, is, it, is this him returning? And then I feel like by episode two, the rumors of the party had started. And people were like, yeah, there's, there's a party at Russell's or at a house out in Edmond. And Russell's putting it on and Paul George is re-signing at this party. And it, you start to hear that and you're like, okay. I think, and you hear, you hear it from enough people that you think, okay. I think this is probably true. And then episode two started with like, I love LA. And if you're the, if you're the topic of episode two, that's usually not the greatest sign if, if in a three part series. So, (laughs) right. Um, But it's just, it's still pretty crazy that he decided to come back to Oklahoma city. Didn't give the Lakers a meeting, which was a huge blessing. Cause I think that when players take meetings, and we've seen this with Kevin Durant. Like, that's just not a good sign. Like, it usually means they're they're looking at leaving. Um, so, like, Le- I mean, LeBron took, remember LeBron took meetings his first time he left Cleveland? It's like, okay, well, you're taking meetings. You're probably, you'd probably like to go elsewhere. So he didn't take a meeting. He signed the moment that he could. We did a podcast with you and I, uh, McKelle, and with Jay, and it was... <laughs> It was awesome. It was kind of a live reaction pod to everything happening. We didn't know the length of his contract at that point. And that's another thing. So the dude signed for three plus one, uh, which gave the Thunder enough time. And we we still, I think a lot of people still think about this season and kind of panic. Like, oh my gosh, we need shooting. We need to do this. We need to do that. Well, I mean, the Thunder don't need to. I mean, they have Paul George under contract through the, through the length of his prime. Uh, same with Russell Westbrook. They've got Steven. I mean, everybody's locked up. And there's no extreme rush to make this team the best it can be and go all in right now. You can let these assets become a little bit better assets as time goes along and then maybe even make a trade. And that's all thanks to the length of the contract that Paul George signed this past summer. Uh, and we've seen the best version of Paul, certainly in a Thunder uniform and probably uh, in the NBA period this season. And so it's... He, it was more important than we even thought, I, I think, because I don't think that we saw this coming because he, he kind of disappointed in some ways. 
his first season in Oklahoma City, and I think a lot of it was that he had all that fluid on his shooting elbow, and he got that drained, yeah. and he's been so good uh, night in, night out. I don't know that we've had like a bad Paul George game this season. He's He's been incredible. Uh, I certainly didn't see this version of Paul George coming, so uh, I think even at the time, the importance of him coming back is maybe probably understated. Yeah, and it kind of became the best of both worlds for Paul George because if you think about him going to the Lakers, even if he was having something close to this season, he was still going to be overshadowed by LeBron mm-hmm. and just the the Lakers machine. But he's really like flourishing in terms of national media attention right now. And that has had a benefit both ways because he's taking some of the heat off of Westbrook. He's still getting like national attention. It's really worked out for him. It's not like he's become just this second banana that no one really talks about anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, he he is not like in a Chris Bosh role where he's underappreciated. He is being properly appreciated right now, which is great for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything else on that? Uh, no, I'm ready for number two. I want to know how many of these we have in common. Okay. What's your number two? My number two was the Andre Robertson injury. Okay. That's my number three. Okay. So the reason I put that as my number two, because if that doesn't happen, what changes? So arguably the team is significantly better the rest of that season. Mm -hmm. And what happens if they actually win a playoff series? Does Mm -hmm. Mello all of a sudden decide, oh, actually, I want to stay here. And then you don't have the exit interview at the end of the season. And then they don't end up trading Carmelo. Like, I just, I don't know what would have happened. And I feel like that was a huge swing point for that team for a lot of reasons. Because one, they'd gotten really comfortable with where they were at. You know, they were coming off that December and early January run where they really started to figure things out. But at the same time, there was this underlying lack of depth that we didn't really fully understand until Dre went down. And then those next that next month before they signed Corey Brewer, of all people, was just scrambling to try to figure something out in the meantime while this team's losing a ton of games. And so I really think that injury turned out to be a good thing. Because I, I do think it contributed to Mello leaving. And I also think it contributed to Presti being super aggressive in the uh, after the season of the postseason in terms of getting wings on this team. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. When I sat down to think about it last night, you think about like the Dre injury is like a bad thing overall. But I wrote blessing in disguise next to it because you're right. Mello is probably still here. They're probably still trying to make it work. Uh, and in reality the dude just can't play in the NBA in in the role that he needs to play in. And so, and he maybe doesn't need to play off the bench because I think the Thunder defense was going to be good enough even with him in the lineup. Uh, yeah, it was a huge blessing in disguise. And also, like it, it's given time for guys like Ferguson and Diallo to develop. And, you know, him, basically, Dre has been their coach, uh, which has been pretty interesting. And I don't know if he has, like, the time to be their coach uh, if he is playing now, would the Thunder benefit from having Andre Robertson more right now? Yes, they would. Would they benefit from having a healthy Dre? Of course. Uh, but yeah, it it ended up impacting so many things around the team that shaped who the team is today that it did end up being a net positive on the other end, which is kind of crazy to think about. But it really was 
because I mean, Mello, I mean, I, I can't imagine who Mello is going to play for if he does play for somebody else this season. I just can't even think of who it would be. Yeah, I think it's over. So who is your number two then? My number two is so cheesy, but I think that it's super <laughs> important to even this season. And it's the fact that Russell Westbrook and Paul George became like real friends in life and on the court, because that's something that I feel like we, we wanted to be the case with Kevin and Russell. Uh, and I don't know that it ever really was like that, but these, like these guys genuinely make the, make each other better. You know, Paul George challenging Russell Westbrook to be a better defender. And he has been that this season. The fact that, they got each other's back on the court, that they're friends off the court, that they do things together. I think that that is such a huge thing for this team moving forward to have your two stars in step together that really that they define the ceiling of this team. And if they're in lockstep together as friends and they're going to challenge each other and they're not afraid uh, to push each other, I think that is such an important thing for this team because the last time that this team had two superstars, it felt like they operated just differently in every way. They were in different phases of life. You know, Russell was settling down. He had a wife. Kevin Durant was headed in the opposite direction and still is. Uh, on the court, it was a lot of taking turns. It was a lot of, I'm going to do my thing. You can do your thing. Uh, but it doesn't. it's not that way this season. Like, Russell is changing his game to help Paul George, and I think that a lot of it is the relationship that they have and the way that they've probably talked and planned for this season. Russell is not... He didn't give up after 10 games of it, quote-unquote, not working. He's continuing to try to play in the right ways, and I think that that is such a huge thing for this team. And it might sound super cheesy, but my number two is those guys like having a legitimate relationship to where they are making each other better. Yeah, and thinking back to last year when we're worrying if Paul George is going to stay or not, we probably focused way too much on their fit on the court. Yeah. Um, When in reality, if they don't make that personal connection, he's never going to stay. Like, that's why he stayed. Yeah. Because he could see himself hanging out with Russ for the next three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question. Uh, And then I had the Robertson injury three. And so what's what's your three? My three is the Dennis Schroeder trade. Yeah, that's my four. Um, For a lot of reasons. Because one, they got off of Carmelo's deal without, with getting something back. And Mm -hmm. that something back turned to have, turned out to have way more value than even probably we thought. Um, Because, you know, we've talked about this before, the idea of waving and stretching Mellow. You know, thinking about this team, especially early in the season without Dennis Schroeder, it would have been really rough, like even worse than it was. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be awful. I mean, at least some of that was watchable. Yeah. Um, But to get him back and it turns out he actually fits pretty well alongside Westbrook um, because he's not not only can initiate an offense, but he can actually try on defense and he's pretty athletic on that end. Um, It just it just worked out all around and to go from Carmelo, someone who was sucking (laughs) the value out of some lineups to adding in someone like Schroeder, who is boosting that bench significantly compared to where it's been at the last two seasons. It was just a huge moment for this franchise. Yeah. And he can play with Russell, which has been so big for this team is that they can play next to each other. And the offense has been great. The defense has been okay. Uh, 
but man, yeah, I, I can't imagine this team with without Schroeder where you're playing Felton those minutes. And Felton's declined a little bit. He played okay the other night in Dallas, but man, he's he's declined some and he's not the guy that he was even last season. And that I just I can't imagine him being the full time backup point guard. And I think the Thunder knew they needed to go get somebody else. And the fact that you could use Carmelo as a trade chip, and I know it was for salary reasons for the Hawks. That's great. Like it just worked out for both teams. I know the Thunder gave up a pick. It's a protected pick, like whatever. Like they've got a really good player that's helping them right now. That's under contract that I think the Thunder are increasing his value. McKelly mentioned this the other day that Schroeder will probably end up being an asset next summer for the Thunder yeah. if they do want to trade him and if it doesn't fit like they want it to uh, come playoff time. Uh, but I think that it allows the Thunder to play the same way uh, the entire time, uh, which is super nice. And it also allowed uh, the Hawks to free up time for Trey Young, which is like, it's just one of the biggest win-win trades in a long time, probably since the Paul George trade for Indiana and Oklahoma city. It was a big win-win trade for both teams. Uh, and it also, I mean like Mello went to the Rockets and I think a lot of us feared that, Oh my gosh, like Carmelo Anthony is going to be probably pretty good for the Rockets. Everybody was kind of bracing themselves and it lasted 10 games and they're just like, yeah, he, this is not going to work. He, and he was even coming off the bench for them. Something he said he would never do for Oklahoma city. And he came off the bench and it didn't work. And now he's, I don't even know what he's doing. He's playing in a hoodie somewhere, trying to make people think he's good. It's just insane. Yeah. So who is your number four? Was that your number four? That was my number four. Oh, I wanted to read Bobby Marks tweeted at the time that, the Thunder improved their roster that season while saving $73 million. <laughs> yeah. And that was the big thing. Like regardless of what you thought about Schroeder, there was a large segment of people that were just like, well, they just can't do it because it'd be so expensive. Yeah. You know, like, which that's been, this is a, uh, a tangent, but okay. people talking about the Pat McCaw thing with the warriors. Yeah. Like saying that the warriors aren't doing it because it's, it's too expensive. It, it would add $11 million. Like who cares? Like, why am I reading this? I don't, yeah. I don't care about the warriors money situation. <laughs> like they're making money hand over fist. Like who cares? Yeah. Everybody, here. the focus on that is a little outrageous. And I think it's a point that some people like to make because they want to seem smarter than everybody else. Uh, it's another smart NBA take to me when people talk about that. If, if a team's willing to do it, great. Like, why do you, like, what do you care? Like it has nothing right. to do with you. And I, I, I it, think it's an easy excuse when you don't have connections within a team, you can just look at the money situation and think about it, how you would think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we're all broke and it's like, Oh yeah, I, I probably wouldn't want to add $11 million for Pat McCall. Yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I don't listen to dunk down anymore, but somebody tweeted at me that they're still harping on the Dennis Schroeder trade saying that they shouldn't have made it. Really? I was like, all right, whatever. Like that they're going down with the ship. They're going down with the ship. And you know, the Thunder saved a lot of money. They added a good player. I just don't like the down. I don't understand the downside unless you just are deep into the pockets of the Thunder ownership group. Like there's just yeah. like, you don't know. Like, how do you know? Like, what do you know about these guys? You don't know anything. Like, I don't know why you act like you know everything. It's so stupid. Uh, so th- okay. those top three or those, you know, the Paul George signing, Robertson injury and Schroeder trade. I feel like those are pretty obvious ones. Yeah. I wonder if we'll deviate from here on. Uh, my number five is re-signing Jeremy Grant. 
that was my number four. Okay. Yeah. It, it it's even more important uh, again, even with the Paul George, I knew how, I think we knew how important it was at the time, but I think it's become more important as time go- has gone along. I don't think we knew how important this, this signing was for the thunder because I don't think many of us saw him even at the, at the time as a power forward. I think we saw him as like a backup center that was kind of, that was versatile and that could come play forward sometimes, but like this is our backup power forward or backup center. And he's really good at it and he's faster than all the centers and get right by him to the rim and everything we thought about Jeremy Grant, but he's become a legitimate starting power forward in the NBA with his ability to hit shots from the outside. Uh, He's driving uh, with efficiency still. Uh, he's been so good this season, and he's one of the big reasons why this team has taken a jump on the defensive end, too, uh, even without Robertson. With the the amount that Ferguson's gotten better, plus Grant being there at the starting power forward, that makes this team the best defense, defense in the NBA. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't think we could have seen this coming with Jeremy Grant, how good he's been this season. Yeah, and the other thing that made that way more important than we realized at the time was that Patrick Patterson just hasn't been good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I definitely thought that Patterson made the most sense because of his three point shooting. Turns out that Jeremy Grant's a way better three point shooter, at least for the time being than Patrick Patterson. Um, and who knows? We, we never really heard about other teams interest in Jeremy Grant in yeah. any serious way, but I'm sure there were other teams that would have signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the Thunder to come in and pay up, and they probably got an under-market deal in retrospect, because if he had played, you know, if, if Mello wasn't here last year, if we never make the Mello trade, and by the end of the season, Jeremy Grant's like the starting power forward, mm-hmm. he might end up getting both more offers from other teams, and OKC might end up having to pay him more. So oh, it ends up no being doubt. good all the way around. Yeah. If he was having this season... <laughs> yeah like he's 16 million probably right at like that's probably market value for him and no one would blink at that but the fact they got him for basically the robertson deal is it's outstanding uh for this team it's good for him too but i mean it's it's just i mean it's a crazy deal i think he's already outplayed the contract that he's in uh yeah he's he's very very good I, i like jeremy grant and that's a that's a huge thing for this team so my number five, I went with the Hamadou Diallo trade. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, that's my number seven. Okay. The reason I went with that one kind of goes back to what we were talking about, this you know crazy luxury tax bill that they're paying. The opportunity to get a guy who already can play in the league and who has a significant ceiling, untapped potential – and to just get him for some money, like I think they, I looked it up, it was like $243,000 that they traded just to get the rights to that pick. Mm-hmm. To do that on this team, which is going to need more of those guys on the roster who aren't making a ton of money over the next couple of years, I think that was huge for this team. Um, so that, that's why I ranked it so highly. Yeah. And the fact that they got him for that three year, $4 million contract. <laughs> yeah. It's, Another great thing that Sam Presti did. I think I don't know if he'll be considered or win the executive of the year, but I think if you look back at the little things that he did over the summer that at the time didn't seem that big, re- re-signing Jeremy Grant probably didn't seem that big. 
trading for Hamadou Diallo probably didn't seem that big. But those are things that have impacted the season tremendously. And I think that he at least deserves consideration for it because he did such a good job over the summer. Uh, and the Diallo trade, I don't think anybody could have seen this player coming. Uh, he's in the middle of the second round. You're like, okay, well, that's cool. Like He looks like a Thunder guy. Can't shoot. Really athletic. That's great. Cool. Let's see if he can develop it into anything. Uh, and he's a he contributes every night. And a guy that plays. I didn't think he'd play before the season. I didn't think he would. We saw him in summer league. Like, wow, if this guy can kind of dribble and he can kind of do some things. That's cool. He's going to be really, really fun to watch with the blue this season. Uh, no, <laughs> this guy plays for the Thunder every single night. Uh, he j- he makes an impact every night, and so it's been it's been really interesting to see his development. And you just kind of wonder, like, what kind of player is he going to be? Like, what does he develop into? Because uh, he's going he has some time, just like we talked about with having Paul George and Russ and everybody locked up. They that also allows guys like Diallo to develop over the next few years. And if he's contributing on the same contract that he's on now, here in a year from now or two years from now, uh, that's a massive thing for this Thunder team. Uh, so, who is your number? You're at six. Yes, that was so. Diallo's my seven. Six, I had losing to the Jazz in the first round I thought was a really another like blessing in disguise for this team because it's benching mellow during the during the series and losing the way that they did I think that it it looked like it was going to propel this Thunder team to really blow it up but what it did is it propelled this team to change and change their identity and to solidify their identity and I think we talked about the Robertson thing being a part of that, but I do think that there was still a chance that team beats the Jazz in round one with the way that they were, and even without Robertson. And a lot of people pick them. I think most people, like in that ESPN poll that they do with all their writers, I think most people pick the Thunder to win. And had they won that series with the team they had, do all the same problems show up? Because you go play Houston, most people are not. Most people are probably picking Houston. It's probably like ninety percent of people would have picked Houston to win that series, and they would have won. And you know what happens? Like how much? How much different are things if they beat Houston? And if Melo, like, what if Melo goes off for one game, which is still could have been a possibility? I mean, what happens? I still think that that ended up propelling them to be the team they are today in a positive direction. Uh, which is kind of crazy to think because I thought after game six, like, man, like where, where are we headed here? <laughs> are we, right. Are we going to be, are, they, are we going to be in the, uh, the hunt for Zion Williamson next season? Like it's that, I mean, it was that volatile of a situation to where it could have been like that, but uh, it ended up propelling the thunder to define their defensive identity, go find players that fit it and get rid of like trim all the fat. Like they got rid of, they cut Kyle Singler. They, you know, Nick Collison retired. They let Dakari Johnson go. They let go of both their two way guys. Uh, Josh Eustace was gone. Uh, Corey Brewer was gone. They let all these guys go. And then they brought in, I mean, everybody that's contributing today. 
you know, they, they let Terrence Ferguson take over the starting spot and in the wake of Robertson still being out and we still, that's still super uncertain what his even career looks like moving forward, but he's been really good. You bring in minutes for Diallo. You have a guy like, uh, Abdul Nader who's played really well as of late, at least shooting the basketball, uh, that you wouldn't have had, that you didn't have last season, uh, you have Deontay Burton, who's contributed in spots this season as well. You just have guys that you're like, oh, okay, like I feel comfortable having those guys come in and play. And the Thunder just didn't have a long list of those guys. In fact, it was like eight guys by the end of the season, and you still felt a little shaky about a few of those guys. Uh, and I think a lot of it was due to the fact that they lost in the first round, and they completely just blew it. And it ended up being a good thing for this team. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's one I didn't have. Um, so my six was Terrence Ferguson becoming playable. Okay. Yeah. In in his second year, because going into the season, you know, we kind of knew he was going to start, but honestly, we were just waiting for Dre to get back, mm-hmm. and we were just hoping that Ferguson could just kind of <laughs> like hold on for dear life, and it's, it kind of felt that way at the very beginning of the season, um, but he is become one of the better defenders on the team um he fits really well in with the team concept he's a good individual defender and i think having that player especially when you look back to last february after dre goes down and how this team is just searching desperately searching for an answer defensively on the wing to the point where they go out and sign journeyman Corey brewer the fact that Ferguson has already become better than that version of Corey Brewer in a short amount of time is huge for this team. Like it doesn't feel like we're not as worried about Dre coming back now. It's like, take your time, Dre. Like <laughs> we have pieces now. Yeah. In fact, some people are like, do we really even need Andre Robertson? It's like, okay, like if that's I, that conversation has gone a little bit too far. Uh, but at some point I think that you will, the Thunder will have to ask themselves that question in the next probably year or so. And Andre is expiring next season. And so, you know, I, something that hasn't really been talked about at all is that the Thunder offered Dre four for 48 um, as an extension and he declined it, uh, which is, which really is pretty interesting when you think about it, because we, yeah. if his, if he ends up not being the same guy, the Thunder ended up getting, that obviously the Thunder got a better deal, but the the length of years becomes like way more important uh, than you thought it would be because you thought oh, the Thunder would probably like to have him locked up for long term. Thunder, that's what they preferred at the time was that they would have preferred him to be locked up, and I think that some people in his camp wanted him to get a shorter deal so he could get back onto the market. And really, now I think there's a lot of uncertainty around it. And I hope that we see him play this season. I think that he could help the rotation some, you know, whenever if Patrick Patterson never gets it together this season, I think that he could take a lot of Patterson's minutes away because I think he's that versatile. Um, but yeah, I think the the Ferguson stuff is, it's huge for this team, <laughs> especially after the way he played the first four games. It looks like, oh my gosh, like he's, he's a G League player and the Thunder trying to start him. And he completely turned it around after Russell talked to him. Yeah. So who did you have for your, are you up to seven or eight? I'm at eight. I had Nick Collison's retirement. Yeah. I had that as my 10. Yeah. For sentimental reasons. It's, I mean, he's been Mr. Thunder. He's the guy that has been there all along that has kind of been a a guiding light in ways 
to this team to play the right way to kind of coach people up to he's just always kind of been there and he's been around a little bit this season and you kind of predict for him to be a part of the thunder at some point uh within the organization but uh you know him not being on the bench is it's a little strange in, in ways because now the veteran of the team is russell westbrook like that's that's the that's the leader of this squad which is kind of strange like we've watched every single year of russell westbrook's career and of this thunder team uh here in the city and it's kind of crazy that it's come to the point where russell is like the elder statesman of the team right yeah i think that's why it's important because there was kind of that passing of the torch mm-hmm. um so i had i had the noel signing okay as my number seven yeah. um again kind of goes back to the patterson thing like just another guy to fill those minutes that we probably didn't realize how important it was because we we were kind of just thinking hey this is a cheap deal let's see how he does but he's been really good for this team especially in that role you have these this huge block of minutes with steven adams who's like a an all-star and then to fill in those other minutes with Nerlens, who's probably overqualified and will probably get a chance somewhere else next year. I think it's just really important for this version of the Thunder team, even if it doesn't end up meaning as much going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also made uh, Jeremy Grant not a backup center, which I think ended up making everything fit in the right way. Because Yeah, the, that's true. At the beginning of the season, Fred was like, hey, I hate the Noel signing. I was like, why? So because it takes Jeremy out of his position. He can't play his position anymore. It's like, oh, okay. And you kind of, I kind of, you could see that in the first few games where you're like, oh man, yeah, this is kind of clunky. This big rotation doesn't work. And then when Billy started Jeremy against the Celtics, you're just like, oh no, well, this certainly isn't going to work. Uh, and then we were all just big idiots because it did work. And then now Nerland Zoel is the backup center. He's been great. He was great. Uh, against Dallas last, or I guess two nights ago, he was tremendous. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's a, that's a really good one. I have so I have like the signings of uh, Noel, Deontay Burton, and then trading for Abdul Nader as kind of one where you have like these value signings that the Thunder have added to the end of the roster that are have all contributed this season in one way or another, uh, which is not an easy thing to do to have. Uh, contributors from you know one to 15 and then even reaching into the two-way contracts uh, i think that that's not an easy thing to do and i feel like sam did that and noel's certainly a part of that probably the biggest part of it um yeah amongst all those guys uh so my eight it was the westbrook surgery okay um I, i just put that because if you think about this season without that surgery like they are, I mean, they probably have at least two more wins, mm-hmm. um, if not three. And I just think it kind of slowed down the momentum of this team. And then you think about him turning 30 and him having another, you know, issue with his knee. It just kind of, it's like in the back of my mind at all time. Mm-hmm. Like what does Westbrook look like going forward in this contract, these next couple seasons? Like, is he going to be able to be, the MVP candidate that we saw from two years ago. If not that, can he still be like an above average version of Westbrook? Yeah. And you know, this, this season has been mixed results, but maybe he's just rounding into form and maybe it was just a minor setback in the grand scheme of things. And he'll be fine going forward. But I do think it, it was an important uh, aspect of this last year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had uh, as my nine, I had the 0-4 start followed by the seven-game win streak because it just felt like after they lost four in a row, it just felt like so defining for the team. I felt like, oh my goodness. Like they obviously cannot function without Andre Robertson out there. They obviously can't function without Russell. Like what? Like what is this team going to be? Like what is going to happen here? Is Billy Donovan going to get fired? Are they going to have to send Ferguson to the G League? And uh, it felt it felt like this team could miss the playoffs because you looked around and you're like, look at the West. Like, look at what's happening here. And teams like Memphis got off to this really hot start. Like, if Memphis is playing like this, like, what are the Thunder going to do? Like, they're not going to make the playoffs like this. And then they win seven in a row. And you're just like, oh, okay. Well, this, it redefined the season within, like, a week, which was just crazy. Um, So I think that that was super important to... Obviously, you, you don't want to go on a four-game losing streak to start the season, but if then you follow it up by a seven-game win streak. Uh, it really it was really surprising in a lot of ways. Both both outcomes were very surprising for this team, um, and to kind of reset our thought process on on the Thunder pretty quickly. And I think my last one that I haven't mentioned yet was Carmelo's exit interview. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. Which kind of goes along with like the jazz series in general. Right. That's kind of my stand in for that series. But if there was any doubt that it, <laughs> or if there was any hope that it was going to work out long term, um, that interview, which I actually think was really helpful in retrospect, like I'm glad that Carmelo was so honest because I'm sure the team knew, mm-hmm. but it let everyone know. And I feel like everyone, the fans, the front office, everyone got on the same page and it was like, okay. <laughs> this isn't going to work out. Let's, let's see what we can do in these next couple of weeks to get you out of here. Yeah. I, I was sit, I was in the room for that. And I just remember looking at Fred and just, just laughing as he's walking out, just like, Oh my God, like he's, he's gone. Like he is yeah. one way or another. This dude is gone. And there was talks like he may opt out of his contract. He may do this or that. Um, like, how are they going to get rid of his money? Who's taking on that deal? Uh, and then I, I really think that, this probably should have been one and this would make some kind of list. The fact that Mello was willing to waive his no trade clause um, is kind of a, is a really big deal for this team. Cause he could have just been like, no, just pay me. Just give me all my money and I'll go wherever I want to go. Like that's, yeah. un- it's unnecessary for you to trade me. I just don't, you don't need to do that. <clears throat> and there would have been some people that would have thought that would have been joyous for the thunder to, to save some, a few bucks here and there. Um, but I think that it's, it, it's obvious you get Dennis Schroeder back. He's helped this team a lot. And so it ended up being the best of both worlds for both team or for, for Mello. Well, really not for Mello, but for <laughs> the Thunder and Mello thought he was getting what he wanted at least at the time. But yeah, I think that that press conference was, it was crazy. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it was happening because he figured like Mello just wants to make his money. He's probably just going to be a good soldier for another year. And then the Thunderhead will move on and save money. And hopefully they can re-sign Paul George in the meantime. Uh, but it ended up being much, much better for the Thunder uh, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah, it's crazy to think if Mello had had an accurate read on the situation and had realized that OKC was 
going to end up being his only like guaranteed minutes in the league. Yeah. Like it turns out that because if he had stayed here, they they still would have played him. Actually, I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the Thunder were very firm with him and what they wanted and that they said, if that's not what you want, we'll, we can move on. I think the, a lot of those conversations happen right before they do that that last press conference. Um, they talk to Sam before, and then they get to come out and talk to the media about like what's what's to come. And I, I think that that conversation happened behind the scenes. And Mello came out a little pissy about it because he, he what did he say? He said something like, "I've sacrificed everything already, right. and I'm not sacrificing anything else." I'm just like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll see you, Mello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. Okay. It's been a big year for the Thunder. I feel like the Thunder just, that's how they do things. I don't, And we we did our, we went like season by season, basically, uh, over the summertime looking at Thunder history. And the Thunder just have dramatic seasons. It's a, it's a great team to podcast for because there's always something. There's never like a dull moment. Uh, you don't have like these seasons like the Orlando Magic have had, which has felt like the same season for like the last like seven years. Uh, the Thunder just are dramatic in nature, uh, which is super fun. And even in just one year, we can have over an hour of, of podcasting to just talk about the things that have happened. So, uh, yeah. And honestly, if you go read, I'm reading Boomtown right now. Yeah. It fits in so perfectly with the history of this city. Like everything about this city going back to its inception is just dramatic and big and ridiculous. And b- until you actually have someone write it down in a book and you realize like every point along the city's history, there's been goofy stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of realize like the thunder really do fit into the city in that way. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, Alex, thanks for being on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Al baby cakes. He's a great follow. Uh, he always has good tweets during and after games, so make sure you're following him. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. If you just have a few minutes, it would mean a ton to us if you would just give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on that Purple Podcast app. If you have an iPhone, it's super easy, I promise. You search Down to Dunk. You just hit five stars, and that's all you have to do. If you want to leave us a little message, I'll read all of them. I've read all of them. Uh, it would mean a lot to us if you do that as well. I hope you guys have a great day. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.